this episode of Farzcast, Farzine Vesugian here with you. Hope you guys are doing well, getting ready for the weekend. I know I am. Oh, man, I, I, I've been trying to do this podcast twice this week. Uh, had to uh, postpone both times. So I'm ha- happy to be doing this podcast right now. Talking to you guys. A lot to get into here on this episode of Farzcast. The Kansas City Royals have struggled with attendance so far this year. And I think we need to have a talk about that because that impacts, I think, it impacts another big story involving the Kansas City Royals. I'll get to that later on. I do want to chime in a little bit on the NFL draft because I know Chiefs fans, they've been doing their mock picks and all that good stuff. Uh, A lot of people speculating, claiming to have inside sources and all that good stuff on what's going to happen, what the Chiefs are going to do. And I think a lot of people like me are just ready for the draft to happen. 12 picks for the Chiefs in this draft. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun to see what the Chiefs do in this draft. Uh, I do have some thoughts on the draft, though. And I'll get into that a little later on. And also, there is some outrage, some... Silly arguments happening and people are pretending like Netflix is in the dumps. Oh boy. Talk about an overreaction. All that here on this episode of Farzcast. Facebook.com slash Vesugian is my Facebook page. Please go on there. Give it a like and follow me on Facebook. You can also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Subscribe to the podcast. Let a friend know about this. And very soon, if um, you guys have... Certainly no obligation, and I won't say anything now. Uh, Likely will be when the draft starts uh, on the podcast, though on social media I've already uh, presented ways you can do so, but can't say anything on the podcast quite yet. But if there are ways you want to help support this podcast, support Farscast, there's a way you can do so. Something I've never done before personally, uh, something I have been wanting to do for quite some time, have been kind of waiting on something like this. In all the years I've been doing podcasting, uh, decided now was the best time to really get into something like this. So if there's a way you want to uh, contribute and support the podcast and support other people out there, there will be a way to do that, and I'll announce that in the near future. I do want to start off talking about the Kansas City Royals, as their attendance has been pretty lackluster. So far this year, um, I, I don't know what their new average is. Or I don't even know if they played it at home today against the Twins or, or what the situation was. I saw they lost 1-0, and I believe the Royals were the home team. I'll be honest, I have not followed the Royals closely. I know their attendance is not as bad as the Oakland Athletics, so I'll get into that, that in a moment. But the Royals, to start off the early goings of the 2022 baseball season, they are the fifth worst attendance average in all of baseball right now. Oakland is just a little, uh, they're in last place with just below 8,000. Tampa Bay second to last with 12,672. So uh, there's a pretty significant gap between last and second to last for uh, worst uh, average attendance. Now listen, attendance will go up for the Royals. Uh, the Royals have the fifth worst average I mentioned at 15,478. That was before their uh, 1-0 loss uh, to the uh, Minnesota Twins. Uh, listen, attendance is going to go up. I know the weather has been really bad here in Kansas City. I, I mean, temperature is up and down. Uh, so much wind lately. I mean, it's not really the most ideal weather to go watch a baseball game. But let's be honest here. Even if the Royals were, uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're a bad team. But even if the weather stayed like this, but if the Royals were winning a lot more, attendance would be way up. I know the Dodgers, they've got the best attendance right now, and it helps. Number one, it's L.A. we're talking about, okay? But they're winning. That's what matters the most. And I think a lot of people forget about that. Uh, And listen, like I said, attendance will go up. Even if the Royals are going to continue to struggle, I know right now they're just a little bit below 500. It's in the early goings, though. We know how this is going to go. The Royals historically just haven't been a good baseball team. This expectation's not very high. It's very low, in fact. Uh, not a lot of uh, expectations from this ball club. The standard isn't very high right now. Uh, and, we, and we know what 
a lot of these uh, summer events are like fireworks, dollar hot dogs, exclusive bobblehead merch giveaways. Obviously, one of the big events in Kansas City every year in the summer is Big Slick. We know Big Slick has that big softball game they do at the K, so that's going to happen. Uh, here's the issue. The World Series hangover from 2015, it's long gone. It's been gone for a while. Um, the, the Royals historically just haven't been a good team. And if they don't play well over the next few years, obviously attendance will remain low. And if attendance stays low, then we need to stop the chatter about the Royals moving downtown or quite honestly moving anywhere at this point. They need to stay where they are. I know the renovations by the time their lease is up will be 20 years old. Um, that's not necessarily new anymore, obviously. I mean, 20 years is a long time, but that, that's not necessarily old either. I know uh, at the K and at GEHA Field, they're, all, they're constantly uh, making upgrades there. Uh, but for the Royals, all this talk about moving the baseball stadium downtown... You're obviously tearing that stadium down and building a whole new one downtown. That's not, I mean, that's not a, a, a cheap project there. That's going to cost a lot of money. And listen, let me just say this right now. With the way the Royals are playing and the way they've played historically speaking, why would you want to spend so much money on this team for a new stadium downtown? Because, I mean, I'm not breaking any news here. It's going to cost a lot of money, and we're talking a lot of money. I don't know how much money the Royals themselves want to put down, probably want to rely more on taxpayer dollars, which is understandable. But, man, I, I just don't know if if the Royals, and again, eight years, which is where, which is when their lease is going to be up, eight years from now is a long, long time. But... Again, historically speaking, this team just hasn't been good. 1985, they won the World Series. Since then, they've only been to the playoffs twice. Now, in those two times, they made it to the World Series. So the last three times the Royals have been in the playoffs, kind of a funky stat. The last three times the Royals have been in the playoffs, they've made it to the World Series. Now, those three times were 1985, 2014, and 2015. So we're talking some significant gaps there. So, we're talking about a team since they won the World Series in 85, have only been to the postseason twice after their 85 World Series win. Is this a team right now, and I'm not saying you have to hate the Royals or anything like that, but is this a team, honestly, that is worth having them move downtown to? Spend all that money on, on a brand new stadium downtown? Because I don't think it is. And here's what I'm getting at here. The Royals are a losing product right now. Uh, they haven't been very good since their World Series win in 2015. Now, again, eight years from now, when their lease is up, uh, where they are right now, it's a long time. Things can change. If you told me eight years before 2015 that the Royals were going to go to the playoffs and go to the World Series, I, I would have said you're nuts. There's no way they can go to the World let, let alone doing it in back-to-back -back years. But they found a way to do so. So I, I, I'm acknowledging the fact that eight years from now is a long time and a lot can happen. I'm just simply saying that, historically speaking, the Royals just haven't been a very good ball club. So all this talk about the Royals moving downtown, I just don't know if it's worth it right now. Listen, a lot of people, a lot of you guys listening are either, when it comes to college, Allegiance, you guys are either KU fans, K-State fans, or MU fans. And a lot of you guys who are K-State and K uh, MU fans, you love to shame the Kansas Jayhawks, and listen rightfully so, for how bad their football team is, okay? I'm a Jayhawk, I'm not going to lie about this, it sucks seeing our, the state of affairs with our football team. But you know what, man? As a fan and grad of the University of Kansas... I'm just going to say it now. There is a reason why the Kansas Jayhawks pack the house every single basketball game at home. And there's a reason why you can find really cheap tickets for football games. I'm not breaking any news by saying this. 
Here's my point. With the basketball team, whenever they go to play downtown in Kansas City, it is worth going to. Whenever the Jayhawks are on the road, if they're playing in the Big 12, uh, you know, in Manhattan or Stillwater, Lubbock, wherever it is, it's worth it for Kansas fans to make that drive to go see KU play on the road. But when the football team is traveling to nearby Big 12 games, such as the ones I mentioned, or Waco, Norman, wherever, you're not going to see KU fans want to make the effort to drive that far because KU football, not just a losing product, they are one of the worst football programs in the country. So there's a reason why a lot of people are willing to pack the house at Allen Fieldhouse every single game and are willing to follow the Jayhawks if they're playing nearby. Whereas for the football team, they're not willing to do that. So I revert this topic back to the Kansas City Royals. Why is it worth having the Royals downtown right now? I I know the stadium looks nice. I saw uh, Mayor Quentin Lucas. uh, I think he posted a a photo a a friend sent him. uh, He was at a baseball game in Seattle. You can see the beautiful Seattle skyline in the background. Uh, You know, sitting uh, up in the nosebleeds. Looking out into the uh, into the diamond. Uh, looks great. I'm not saying it doesn't. But are we doing this just for views at this point? I know St. Louis has a great stadium downtown. I, I, I've been in that. I've never been to a Cardinals game, but I've been in that area. So I know the whole structure, what it looks like right next to Ballpark Village. It, it's great. It's a great venue. It's a great place to have everything. Uh, the T-Mobile Center, which was formerly the Sprint Center, they're right next to the Power and Light District, and that itself is a great place. Uh, you always want to have arenas and stadiums next to venues like that. Gillette Stadium, uh, next to a big shopping mall. Sport in Kansas City, right by the Legends, the 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 uh, the Speedway, right next to, right next to the Legends there, not close beside it, but it's in the ballpark, it's in the area. So I don't know why it is worth it right now for the Royals to go downtown. It looks nice. Not saying it's it's not going to look nice. It's going to be beautiful. No one's arguing that. But I don't know if it's really worth having the Royals downtown when they are simply not a competitive baseball team. Well, it, it, let's say they go move downtown for the 2031 baseball season. Yeah, sure. You're probably going to have a lot of people show up the first season. A lot of people. Maybe even the second year, a lot of people are going to show out to see the stadium and all the features, all the good stuff, right? I mean, it, when there's a new stadium, you're always curious to see what it looks like. Um, the new uh, uh, Casey Current Stadium that's going to be downtown. A lot of people are curious to see what that's going to look like, I'm sure. So I'm sure they'll have a big turnout for their first uh, for, for their first game, whenever the uh, stadium is built. But you know what, man? At the end of the day, if the Royals don't find a way to become a more competitive baseball team, I just don't think you're going to be able to keep that same energy with attendance just because you're downtown. That's cool you're downtown. That's awesome. But... It's not worth it to go to the stadium just because it's downtown. I mean, you're gonna have to, you have to, you're gonna have to entice me a little more. You're gonna have to entice the average person a lot more than that. You, are, if you're going to pay money to go see your favorite sports team, you obviously want to see them win at the end of the day, right? The reason you're buying a ticket is because you love the team, obviously, and maybe they're playing really well. And you expect to see them win at the end of the day because they're your team, of course. They're playing at home. Now, I know in baseball, they don't talk about home field advantage or anything like that. That's not a thing per se. But still, at the end of the day, you're going to see your favorite team. And that's why uh, you spend money on on your favorite teams. That's why you spend money on a ticket. And I'll tell you what, man. Ticket prices, not a cheap thing at all. Unless you're a bad baseball team or a bad college football team like KU, as I mentioned earlier. So here's my point. And, and, and again, I, I know I've mentioned this before. Eight years from now is a long time. But we cannot wait in seven and a half years to make this decision. 
if the Royals really do want to go downtown, that discussion not only needs to start now, we've got to start making decisions very soon so we can start getting the project going. It's a long process for all of this to happen. Uh, look at the Carolina Panthers, and I'm not too familiar with the whole situation, but I know they just completely stopped construction on their new stadium, and there's some uncertainty about their future and where they're going to play down the road if they cannot resolve whatever issues they're dealing with. So my question to you guys is, and I would love some feedback on this, do you guys think it is worth, worth it for the Royals to go downtown? And listen, it's a sports team. It's not necessarily the most important thing in our lives, of course. But let's not act like this kind of entertainment is not something that we love and make a priority in our lives. Listen, the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl a few years ago, did did that change our lives personally? Hell no, it did not. It's just something that we love to watch. It's not something that directly impacts us, makes our lives better per se. But it's one of those things we love and enjoy and we want to see it happen. Uh, I remember there was a lot of talk about the Royals going downtown in 2015 because they were winning at the time. They won the world. They were the best team that year. They won the championship. But since then, no one's really talked about it as much. Now, that conversation did reignite a little bit because of the talk about the Chiefs possibly moving to Kansas, which is not going to happen. Spoiler alert. Um, and so as a result, people talked about the Royals and, and what could they do when their lease is up in 2030. So that conversation's come up a little bit lately. Um, now, just because people in general are not having this conversation doesn't mean there's nothing happening behind closed doors. For sure, you're going to see people try to uh, try to make some deals, try to figure out what they're going to do. I mean, I mean th- 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 that conversation has to be happening right now. My only question to you guys is, do you truly believe with the state of the Royals right now, only two postseason appearances after the 1985 season? Is it really worth it for this baseball team that has not won a lot over the span of 35 or so years? Is it really worth it for this team to build a completely brand new stadium, knowing damn well this is going to be a pretty damn expensive project. That's my question to you. I'd love some feedback on this. Facebook.com slash Farzivasugian at Farzine21 on Twitter. The NFL draft is next week. Uh, here's my thing. I'm not crazy about all these mock drafts that are out there. I've, I've looked at maybe a handful of them. I'm not too big on this stuff. Um, I used to be, I used to be, uh, and and listen, maybe being a Chiefs fan has a lot to do with it. Don't get me wrong. There are lots of Chiefs fans out there that are in full draft mode, looking up all these different draft, uh, uh, scenarios, mock drafts, reading all the speculation that's out there online. Um, uh, but, but here's my thing. It's just at the end of the day, I don't have any burning desire to read about what people think the Chiefs are going to do. At this moment, um, because they're picking 29 and 30 and there's so much that can happen, uh, with the first 28 picks, uh, maybe the chiefs trade up and obviously that'd be very enticing. That's obviously a more attractive situation, but I listen as a fan after what they did last year and in 2016, where they did not have a first round pick, they traded out of the first round and they found multiple pro bowlers in both of those drafts. 2016, you had Chris Jones and Tyreek Hill and last year, you had, well, the only pro bowler technically was Trey Smith, but Creed Humphrey was the best center in the NFL last year. I know with the fan vote, uh, he had uh, more votes than any other center in the AFC. And you also had Nick Bolton, who completely showed out and had a remarkable rookie season, a very underrated rookie season too, by the way. So, you know the Chiefs are capable of having a great draft, even without a first-round pick. They've got 12 picks this year, two in the first round, two in the second, and two in the third. So they've got six picks in the first three rounds. So I expect them to have another home run draft. It may not look like a home run draft right off the bat, but a year from now, less than a year from now, we'll be talking about how great these draft picks are. I think I'm pretty confident in that. But I'm not too crazy over the whole... Um, combine the, the combine's never anything I've 
honestly taken seriously. I it just really, I, I haven't. Um, like, whoever has the fastest 40 time, like, great. That doesn't mean much to me, honestly. And I'll get into why in a moment. Um, the Wonderlick scores. I mean, does anyone seriously give a shit about that? Really? Uh, <laughs> uh, what else is there? I mean, they have all these pro days, uh, which is great for the players. Obviously, they need that. And coaches, scouts, general managers, they obviously take advantage of that so they can... Uh, talk to as many players as possible, do the scouting they need to do, the due diligence, the research they need to do. Because there's a lot you got to do to make sure you have the right draft. Because you can find great players in the 4th, 5th, and 6th, 7th rounds if you do your homework. Just like the Chiefs did last year with Trey Smith, Nick Bolton, Creed Humphrey. Those are all first-round draft picks if we redo last year's draft right now. All three of them are first-round draft picks. But here's the reality. And I've always hated this saying, but I've come to really accept this over the years. Draft picks are just draft picks. They really are. Uh, we've seen many great players with high expectations fail in the NFL. And we've also seen guys who have not really been expected to do much. And they've become some of the best players in the NFL. Uh, if you go to the Wikipedia and click on uh, the NFL draft and go year by year, there's always a list of notable undrafted players. So if you want to go back historically and check out some of the notable undrafted players, there's a list for that. And don't get me wrong. Listen, I know first-round picks generally do better, but that doesn't mean every first-round pick is going to have a success story. Look at the 2012 NFL draft. This is actually a really f interesting uh, example here. Andrew Luck was taken number one. Remember Suck for Luck? Remember that campaign? <laughs> one I was for for Kansas City? Uh, Andrew Luck was number one overall. Robert Griffin III was number two. Every single person that knew that football existed was saying that those two quarterbacks were going to run the NFL for years to come, and there was a huge debate as to who would have the better NFL career. Well, guess what? Andrew Luck dealt with a ton of injuries, as great as he was, dealt with a ton of injuries that forced him to retire during the 2019 preseason, and RG3, fantastic rookie season, but it went downhill after that injury, and he retired right after the 2020 uh, regular season. He ended up becoming a backup in the NFL. Let's look a couple years later, 2015. Jameis Winston, number one overall. Marcus Mariota, number two overall. Both came in with high expectations. Both of those guys have changed teams since then. Winston has kind of been up and down as a starter. Going from starter to backup and now starting again. Marcus Mariota is backing up Derek Carr in Las Vegas. Uh, he lost his starting job to Ryan Tannehill. Listen, I'm not saying that happens every single year. Look at Patrick Mahomes in 2017. Not only was he not the first quarterback taken, it was Mitchell Trubisky who was the first quarterback taken that year. It was Deshaun Watson who was getting far more hype than any of the quarterbacks entering the draft that year. Well, look who's having the better career. It's Patrick Mahomes. He has a Pro Bowl MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and a regular season MVP. Now, Watson and Trubisky have been to the Pro Bowl, but those guys have switched teams already. Watson went from Houston to Cleveland just recently, signed a massive deal. We'll see how that pans out. Trubisky's just been bad, just been bad in general. And I know a lot of people are saying Watson has not been bad. No, he has not been necessarily bad, but if you're not available for what? Whatever reason it may be, whether it's having 40 freaking massage therapists and being accused of sexual assault by 22 of them, well, look, bottom line is you're dealing with something and you're just not available at the moment. Well, I shouldn't say that at the moment, but you know what I mean. At the time, that that was. Uh, 
Deshaun Watson, as great as he is, he was not available to the Houston Texans to be able to showcase his talent. It's not to say he doesn't have talent. He just wasn't available to show it off. So what good are you if you're not available? It's not the same thing as an injury, no. But when you're absent, you're, you're absent and you're just not available, well, then you're not really making it worth your team's time. I mean, that, that draft pick's starting to look uh, less and less valuable every year. So here's my thing. I, I, I'm not getting caught up in all the draft craziness. I know everyone loves mock drafts and they want to see who their team's going to pick, who maybe some of their favorite college players, uh, who, who's going to pick up some of their favorite college players, all that good stuff. I get that. I get that. I really do. But I, at the end of the day, I just come to terms that, you know, you're just not sure exactly what kind of player these guys will turn into until they start playing on the field. Look at Kansas City. And again, I mentioned this. I think me being a Chiefs fan has something to do with uh, my interest level on these kinds of things. The Chiefs were consistently in the top five of the draft for for three years in a row. Remember that? They drafted Glenn Dorsey. Everyone thought that was going to be the best defensive draft pick uh, ever, which ended up being the complete opposite. But the Chiefs had way better players in that same draft class. Brandon Albert, very underrated for most of his career. Brandon Flowers, underrated for most of his career. Jamal Charles ended up being one of the best players at his position at running back. And he was a third-round pick. So, Brandon Carr, by the way, a very underrated quarterback taken in the fifth round that year. So, the Chiefs had some really good players that were taken after Glenn Dorsey, after their fifth overall selection. They also drafted Tyson Jackson number three overall. They drafted Eric Berry number uh, number five overall. Out of those top five picks, Glenn Dorsey, Tyson Jackson, and Eric Berry, only Eric Berry ended up having a great career. It, even then, and don't get me wrong, Eric Berry was a remarkable player, but Eric Berry dealt with so many injuries in his career. And then, of course, you also had uh, him having to step away from the game uh, for half a season because he was battling cancer and obviously had that remarkable comeback, which is great. Eric Berry has always made the Pro Bowl when he plays a full season. Um, but he hasn't always been available to the team. That That's the other thing, too. Right after he signed that big deal, Eric Berry has suffered season-ending injuries in Week 1 twice. Happened to him in 2011, and it happened again in 2017, I believe. Yeah, 2017. So Eric Berry has missed a lot of games in his career. Um, and I know a lot of people are going to say, oh, you're forgetting he had kids. I know. I mean, that's as tough as it is. I'm not including that. I, I'm just talking about the injuries he's had in week one on multiple occasions. Um, I, now, don't get me wrong. I still think Eric Berry was worth it to have here. He made a lot of great plays for Kansas City. 2016 was an outstanding year. He even received a vote for Defensive Player of the Year, where, if you guys remember, the Chiefs did not have an offensive touchdown against the Panthers, and when they were losing, what was it, 17-0? to They quietly came back, made a couple of field goals, and Eric Berry also got a pick six to, uh, to win the game, and the Chiefs eventually got a game-winning field goal when Marcus Peters uh, got an interception near the end of the game. And then there was another game the following week where the Falcons took the lead against the Chiefs. They were up by one point, and they went for two so they could make it a field goal uh, game before Kansas City uh, receives the kickoff. But Eric Berry, on the two-point conversion, picks off the pass, runs all the way back to the end zone for a pick two. So the Chiefs retook the lead on a pick two, which I don't think has ever happened in the NFL. I know we haven't had that rule for a very long time where defensive players can advance the ball on a two-point conversion. I can't remember exactly what year that rule was made, but for the longest time, the NFL uh, did not allow that. They changed it at one point, if I recall correctly. I just don't remember when exactly. Um, so we haven't had that in a long time. That kind of scenario is very rare, but Eric Berry won the football game in that situation. He also had a pick six in that game too. And I remember 
Bleacher Report, SB Nation, they, they were pulling up all these numbers. Eric Berry scored eight points in one game, whereas some offenses couldn't even score at all that same week. So I remember that uh, little uh, funny statistic, uh, which as a Chiefs fan, you want to be on that side of the of the uh, fun fact stat. But uh, listen, Eric Berry had a great career. My, my point is, um, even then, he's had some, he's had a lot of absences. Uh, you just never know with these draft picks. I try not to get too carried away. If the Chiefs get someone, great. I'll be excited. I'll be happy. And I'll certainly be optimistic and hope for the best. The reality is I, we just don't know what kind of a player someone's going to be until they're out there on the gridiron. Until they're out there uh, practicing with the team and, and, and playing on, on Sundays or Mondays, Thursdays, Thursdays, whenever it is. So... I'm not going to get too carried away with the draft. I still have some thoughts. I, I still have some expectations and have somewhat of a preference as to what the Chiefs are going to do. Uh, but I'm just not too crazy about this stuff. I just like to let it all play out, and we'll see what happens on the field. I think that's essentially when you find out truly, right? That's when you really find out who wins the draft. Trust me. And I'm not shitting on this because I do think it, it's, it's good content. People love to read it. But... Trust me, the Bleacher Reports and the SB Nations and the fan sighteds out there, they're going to do winners and losers of the NFL Draft after the NFL Draft weekend. And then, you know, the ESPNs and the Fox Sports and the Sporting Newses of the world, they're going to create power rankings after the Draft too. And they know damn well everyone's going to read that shit. <laughs> everyone's going to read it. Uh, real quick, Chiefs talk. Um, uh... The NFL teams that have uh, returning coaches, they just started their offseason workouts this week. That includes the Chiefs. So you heard from Andy Reid this week, and I'll be honest, I did not listen to Andy Reid's presser. I did listen to Mahomes' press conference. That's the only one I cared to listen to. Um, I know McCall Hardman did a press conference with the media. And I did not listen to it, but I did read a quote online about, I guess he was asked about not being with, so Patrick Mahomes is in Texas right now practicing with a few of the other wide receivers. And I guess McCole Hardman was not there for the first week whenever Mahomes gathered some of the wideouts to, uh, to, to work with. No, not just wideouts, a couple of the offensive players. I know Clyde Edwards, Alaire, if I'm not mistaken, was there as well. But you had Juju Smith-Schuster, MVS, I mean, those guys were out there working out with him. So I guess McCole Hardman was not there and fans kind of were upset about that thinking, hey, this guy has not lived up to expectations and now he's got to step up because Tyreek Hill's no longer here and he wasn't there for the first week to um, to, to practice in uh, voluntary workouts with Mahomes. And he made a comment saying, I can't be on pass ass all the time or, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing, but you know, I saw that quote and I just realized, look, we all know Patrick Mahomes got married this offseason to uh, Brittany Matthews. And on that same day, Tyreek Hill wrote something about, hey, you know, it's he basically said goodbye to Kansas City. And 11 days later, he got uh, traded. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because this was brought up by Seren Petro when he, uh, by uh, actually, it was brought up by Tim Grunhard. He was on Seren's show. I, I should clarify that. And they were talking about, they, they, they didn't really dive deep into it because there's no evidence of this. But they they mentioned it because there are a lot of rumors out there about Tyreek Hill not getting invited to Patrick's wedding. And on that same day, Tyreek Hill tweeted, hey, it, it basically said, peace out, Kansas City. He gave up, he, he put up the deuces for, uh, for Kansas City. Uh, look, here's my point with all of this. Because ever since Patrick Mahomes started playing for the Chiefs, ever since he took over Alex Smith's duties as a starter in 2018, I know he started a game in 2017, but that was just uh, that was when Mahomes uh, was filling in for Smith and the rest of the starters. Andy Reid rested all the starters that week. Um, but since then, Mahomes obviously his growth, his rapid growth in the NFL. Uh, the, or actually I should say rapid rise. That's probably a better term here. It's been, it, it, it's been surreal. Like still to this day, even though it's been a few years now, 
it's kind of crazy just looking back. Like, that's now my team. That's now the Chiefs that finally have that kind of success. Like, Patrick Mahomes gets talked about on a daily basis. And let's just, this is kind of what I'm getting at here. Because it's not just on the field. It's his entire life. With his longtime girlfriend and now wife and all of her comments and actions on social media or wherever. Jackson Mahomes. I mean, this guy gets talked about a lot. And I guess any and every angle. For instance, Patrick Mahomes and Brittany Matthews. They were, or Brittany Mahomes, I should say. Whatever you want to call her. She were, they were both they were both at Coachella this past weekend. And I don't know what was going on there. I I, I saw a lot of stuff about her on Twitter. I, I, I didn't really care to look into it, but they posted photos together at Coachella. And Chiefs fans went crazy about it. Listen, Alex Smith's wife, Elizabeth Smith, she's been very active on social media when Alex Smith was in Kansas City. But Alex Smith's personal life was hardly a talking point for people in this town. I remember when the Royals won the World Series. My God, man, like every part of the Kansas City Royals, people cared about their personal lives. Eric Hosmer, when he and Casey McDonnell made it Instagram official, if you would, to say that they're uh, they're dating, Dude, people went nuts over that. That was the number one story on the Kansas City Stars website. The number one story on the Kansas City Stars website was that. Uh, when uh, there, there were several Royals that year uh, that lost their fathers uh, at different points during the 2015 season. And, and that was a big deal. People cared about that. And they reached out to um, to the players on social media wishing them well. Uh, after their loss, like like they, those kinds of things, I know Kelvin Herrera, his home was robbed one off season, and that was a story uh, among uh, fans on social media for a little bit. Now, if and I don't know who the who women in Kansas City find as like the attractive young guy on the Royals ball club. Let's say Whit Merrifield. I know he's very popular, obviously. And now I know nothing about Whit Merrifield's life. Point being, because he's never been part of a winning championship, a winning club here. But is Whit Merrifield dating anyone? I mean, does, is he dating a supermodel? He could be dating a supermodel, and we might not know it because the Royals are not good enough for us to really care that much on a personal level. I'll never forget when the Royals, the players, took their wives and girlfriends to uh, the T-Mobile Center, which at the time was the the Sprint Center. And there was a Justin Bieber concert there. Now, I never thought sports fans would give a damn over a Justin Bieber concert. But guess what? A bunch of Royals players were there with their hot wives and girlfriends. And everyone gave a shit that day. Because guess what? Eric Hosmer and Casey McDonald, they were walking down the street of downtown Kansas City, holding hands. And everyone gave a damn about that. <laughs> like, people care about that kind of stuff. So, ever since Mahomes has been in Kansas City, obviously the Chiefs have become a far more relevant football team. They are the most competitive football team in the NFL. They, they've been, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they have the most wins out of any team in the NFL uh, the past four years. And as a result, people just tend to care about Patrick Mahomes a lot more. His wife has more than a million followers on Twitter. She's no longer just Patrick's girlfriend or Patrick's wife. She's now Brittany Matthews. Like, that's what everyone knows her as. People know her uh, for who she is now. Like, it goes beyond just the fact that she's uh, connected to a celebrity and dated him for a long time and is now married to him. Jackson Mahomes, this guy's no longer just Patrick's brother. He really is Jackson Mahomes. Like, people actually know him by name. Do, do, does anyone know Peyton Manning's wife by name? I was about to say, does anyone know Peyton Manning's brother by name? That would have been a terrible question, right? 
Um, okay, let's uh, let's use a better example if we want to talk. Does anyone know if Tom Brady has a brother or a sister? Seriously, does anybody know? Obviously, everyone knows who Giselle is. But does anybody know who Tom Brady's family members are other than Giselle? Just Giselle. I know a lot of people know her daughter because of the comment made by that moronic radio host who, for no reason, just verbally attacked her on the radio. But that's it. That's all I can say about Tom Brady's family. I know nothing about Drew Brees' family. And he was a superstar in the NFL for a very long time. Aaron Rodgers, I know his family life a little bit has been out there. But not to a great extent like Patrick Mahomes. Everyone can tell you Patrick Mahomes' wife's by her name. Everyone knows Jackson Mahomes. Everyone knows Patrick's mom by her name, Randy Mahomes. And listen, his dad, and I don't. I want to make sure, I'm not a big baseball guy, but... If I'm not mistaken, Pat Mahomes Sr., he was not some big-name baseball player when he played. I'm looking at his, um, yeah, he played uh, for the Minnesota Twins, professional debut in 1992, and his last appearance was with the Yokohama Bay Stars. Oh, that was his last NBP appearance. His last MLB appearance was in 2003. Okay, so he played, what, 12 years of baseball? But was a was a journeyman. Uh, played for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven different baseball teams, both in the majors and out of the majors. So this guy was not some big name baseball player either. Um, so I guarantee you, and I know social media wasn't around back then, but I guarantee you when he played, nobody knew who Randy Mahomes was. But Patrick Mahomes playing the son? Now everyone knows who Randy is. Not because she was married to Pat Mahomes Sr., but because she's Patrick Mahomes' mom. And listen, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. What I'm saying is it's now at a point in time where fans just care about everything. They care about McCall. Oh, McCall Hardman is playing Rocket League instead of going and practicing with Patrick Mahomes in the offseason. Like, everyone cares about every single angle. Tyreek Hill tweeted on the day of Mahomes' wedding that he's done with Kansas City. And people wondered, did this have anything to do with him not getting invited to the wedding? My point with the Tim Grunhardt comment, I mentioned earlier, I never really finished that uh, comment fully. So Tim Grunhardt mentioned that, and these are his words, not mine, that friends of his have told him, hey, did you know Tyreek Hill did not get invited to the wedding? And he tweeted this during the day of the wedding. Um... Like that, that everything now with Patrick Mahomes is, is being discussed. It's, it's kind of at the point now where it's like Patrick Mahomes, uh, you know, he doesn't have any privacy in his personal life and he doesn't have control over his personal life to the point of, of what's being talked about and what isn't. And listen, I know a lot of people are going to say that this is none of our business and hey, hey I fully agree with that. I have said that to a lot of people, but the problem is, and listen, the Mahomes family, not Patrick at all. Patrick's been very private, but the rest of his family, I mean, they are very vocal and they post a lot on social media. Uh, that can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. I don't know. Uh, listen, they all make money online. Okay. Brittany is sponsored by so many people. She's doing so many things online. She's promoting so many products online. She is definitely making a lot of money online. And that's because she's connected to Patrick. If she wasn't connected to Patrick, she wouldn't have any of that at all. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. Look, people think that when you say that, that's a knock on Britney when it's really not. That's just the truth. Listen, look at the Trump family, okay? Do you really think, and I'm for those who follow politics closely, you probably know what I'm saying, Lara Trump, be honest with me. Did anybody know who Lara Trump was before 2016? I had no idea who that was. Now, I'm not even going to pretend like I knew. I think the only person in Donald Trump's family, other than the different women he's married in the past, that people knew about was maybe Donald Trump Jr. I do remember when he got engaged and married. That was a huge deal. And this is obviously way before Trump got elected. Look at the Kardashian family. That entire family is famous. 
because of one or two people, one or two famous people in their family. Um, so I, I don't have an issue with Patrick's family being famous. Not at all. I want to be clear on that. Um, they are famous because of their connection to Patrick. Some people view that as a negative comment when it's really not. That's just the truth. Br- uh, uh, Brittany Matthews, when she's selling all these products online and she has ownership of a soccer team, would she have all of that if she was not connected to Patrick at all? Like, let's say she was married to, let's say Patrick was a backup, okay? Let's just go there. If Patrick was a backup, do you really think he'd have that kind of attention or she would have that kind of attention? No, not at all. And Patrick wouldn't even have any ownership stake in the Royals nor Sporting Kansas City. The only time I really recall a backup quarterback's wife or girlfriend getting so much attention, in Kansas City at least, happened twice. One was with Kelly Croyle, and she gained a lot of notoriety because she was featured a lot on Hard Knocks. And the other one was, uh, funny enough, we mentioned Casey McDonald, uh, before she dated Eric Hosmer, uh, she was with Aaron Murray. Uh, and people knew her as a, as a supermodel um, during her time in Georgia. And so she w- Aaron Murray was a big deal because of Casey McDonald. Like, I remember Sixth Sense Sports Radio had both Aaron Murray and Casey McDonald for any... Like, who... What, what media outlet out there has interviewed a superstar quarterback or just any quarterback and their wife or girlfriend? And it's not like they were talking about a charity event that they were hosting in Kansas City. They were just, hey, you guys are superstars here in Kansas City because you were great in Georgia and you're a quarterback and your girlfriend is a supermodel. Like, that's that's why they had him on, on, the, uh, on the station that time. So I know I went into so many different places with that subject. My whole point is with the McCall Hardman thing, it's just now we care so much about all of these players. I know Kelsey's girlfriend, she's very notable because of her connection to Kelsey. And Kelsey's been a superstar for a long time. He obviously had his own dating show, uh, Catching Kelsey, several years ago. So this guy, even before his first 1,000-yard season, uh, Travis Kelsey has been a very notable I mean, the guy gained superstar notoriety before that, so which was crazy. Um, Tyreek Hill. I know his personal life has been documented. You, you get the idea. Um, let's just slow down a little bit, okay? McCole Hardman was not practicing for a week with uh, the first week with Mahomes. So fucking what, man? Um, I, I'm sure we all have other things we can be more concerned about not just with our personal lives, but non-personal things that aren't about us things that are out there in the world. I'm not saying you have to, you know, talk about, you know, the war in Ukraine and world hunger and, you know, homeless people on the street. I'm not saying you have to talk about that and make that a big deal. No, but trust me, there are lots of other things out there that we can really worry about than, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the comment he made to his girlfriend sitting courtside at a at a basketball game, which, oh my God, it, it, that turned into a huge deal. I just feel like, you know, we're, up, and listen, there are some cool things like Patrick Mahomes getting married, uh, the birth of his daughter, like that stuff is cool. People like sharing it. Everyone loves to spread some love and cheers and wish him uh, the best for those situations, of course. And listen, celebrities, when they have millions of followers they like to share that stuff they like to say hey my 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 wife's pregnant and we're having a baby like they love sharing that stuff um it gets talked about in those um low-brow media outlets like entertainment weekly and tmz all, all you get the idea but let's just slow the hell down a bit some of this stuff really isn't even pertinent and don't really matter to us personally at all i get it you know, celebrities, they get talked about a lot in this matter. Uh, People Magazine, you know, they, they, they love talking about this kind of stuff. Um, reality TV contestants, the popular ones, I mean, their personal lives are always talked about. So let's just slow it down and worry about some of the more important things out there. Oh, by the way, uh, as you guys know, masks are no longer required for travel, which is nice. I know a lot of people are 
ready to move on from this. Hopefully the, the uh, whole COVID thing can continue to stay low. I know it's still an issue in other places. It's been kind of a, a yo-yo, unfortunately, but man, um, it's nice to be without a mask on a plane. Uh, by the way, speaking of that, we had our first maskless fight and it involved Mike Tyson. Yes, Iron Mike Tyson, some idiot behind him annoying the living fuck out of him. And guess what Mike Tyson did? Beat the shit out of him. Gave him, uh, let's just say, uh, some uh, some blood marks, okay? Now, I don't really know the whole detail, like, why this happened. But the, I, I watched the video, and I don't know exactly what was being said. The guy was being annoying as fuck. I think anybody in that position would have done the exact same thing as Mike Tyson. Like, dude... He, if you want a picture with him, I don't think he minds. I, I, look, if you're a celebrity and you go on a on a, a plane with a lot of people, yeah, you're probably gonna get you know some fist bump requests and pictures, of autographs and whatnot. You, look, you you just have to understand that in, in situations like that. We just talked about Patrick Mahomes. He used to you know sit uh, courtside. Um, at Allen Fieldhouse, he used to sit in the crowd with everyone else at baseball games. Uh, he used to fly first class. Now he doesn't. Now he's flying privately. Now he's sitting in the suite at any sporting event he goes to because there's no way he can honestly go to a normal seat without being bothered by people. Um, so listen. If a celebrity goes into a situation like this, they have to accept the fact that they're going to be approached. But when you're someone is annoying the fuck out of Mike Tyson, dude, just be ready to get your your ass kicked, deservedly so. And by the way, kind of surprised me. I've seen Mike Tyson a couple times in Las Vegas, so I always stay at the Venetian, and I know there's a uh, ripoff um, sports uh, sports memorabilia store there where. Mike Tyson goes out there, charges a shit ton of money for um, autographs and whatnot. And we're talking a lot. Like, if you want, like, his signed glove or signed shorts, and they claim there's only a very limited amount, but they always keep making more of them. Yeah. We're talking that kind of a scam. Uh, m listen, it's in the same place as the Venetian. And I've seen Mike Tyson a couple times go in and out of that place. He's always got like a big entourage with him. I mean, he's got security guards surrounding him as he's walking. So it's impossible to even get close to the guy. Now, maybe he'll be nice if he's in an area where there's not a big crowd and maybe a couple people request a picture or whatnot. Maybe maybe he allows that. I don't know. But when, I see, when I've seen him, he's always got security guards right beside him and behind him as they're walking forward. So... um. Yeah, obviously you can't do that on a plane, but when you can't do that, that's what happens to you. That is what happens to you. Okay, real quickly, I got to talk about this whole uh, Netflix and Disney talk and people, you know, talking about Netflix losing customers and people unsubscribing to Netflix because of reasons that they think that's that are true, but it is really not. Okay, first off, let me talk about the Disney thing. And look, I'm not going to get into the detail of this. People arguing over this, you know, trying to, uh, okay, you, you, so I guess what I'm talking about is what's going on in Florida. Governor Ron DeSantis signed the don't say gay bill. Again, I'm not getting into the details of that. That's not what I like to do on a podcast like this, unless it's, you know, something very significant. It, it, it is significant. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, you know, look, I talk sports 90% of the time, so I'm not going to get into this. But Disney did speak up, uh, and they just weren't they weren't happy about the bill. And I guess there's now this big old Ron DeSantis versus Disney battle going on, and social media folks are uh, going to war for uh, their preferred choice in this one. And a lot of people are talking about how Disney is on the woke side, and they're I guess if something is woke, it goes bad. That's what people said about the NFL. And look at the NFL. They're, they just signed a 110 million or billion, excuse me, big difference, billion dollar deal, billion dollar television deal 13 months ago. Uh, Disney, by the way, which owns Marvel Studios, 
They uh, Marvel Studios just released the first trailer for Thor 4. That did a shit ton of views. 209 million views in the first 24 hours. Yeah. Uh, the Disney boycott's not happening. Uh, Netflix, they have lost a few thousand subscribers and they're expected to lose 2 million more. Okay. Let me just say something right now. Two million's a lot. I want to be very clear on that. Two million people leaving Netflix, that's a shit ton of people. Not saying it isn't. But to Netflix, that's chump change. If Patrick Mahomes was robbed two million dollars today, no one's feeling bad for him. It'd be an unfortunate incident, don't get me wrong. But let's not act like... Um, there was just a report that came out. Patrick Mahomes makes $22 million a year just from endorsements such as State Farm and High V, uh, EA Sports, Hunt's Ketchup. Uh, it's a long list. He makes $22 million a year just from sponsorships. And he's got a lot more, too. No, no question about it. Netflix. So the reason they're losing subscribers, a lot of this has to do with the whole password sharing thing. And, of course, an increase in their price, too. Elon Musk wrote something on Twitter. And I guess he's now this new hero for one side of the political aisle because he wants to buy Twitter. And as a result, he'll... Uh, do less banning on Twitter and perhaps bring back Donald Trump to Twitter. So that's turned into a whole political deal. Now, Elon Musk, he tweeted, so I don't know the exact tweet, but he, he basically said that Netflix is too woke right now. Laura Ingram of Fox News, consider the source here, it's Laura Ingram. She was on Fox News and she talked about why Netflix is losing subscribers. She did not mention... The increase in the price, which could be driving people away, or the whole password sharing thing. Instead, she posted some content on her, uh, some content from Netflix during her, um, during her broadcast. Just like a few five, ten second clip of each one. Here are the names of these things, and I'm saying this so you guys can fact check these. One of them is called Barry. The other is Colin in black and white. Another one is Don't Look Up. I guess that has to do with to do with global warming. And the other one is, is called Dear White People. Obviously, that's a racial one, which has been a huge deal the past couple of years. Folks, she pulled up content. Two of them from the year 2021, one from the year 2017, and one from the year 2016. And she is saying that that the reason Netflix is losing subscribers in April of 2022 is because of content from either 2021 or 2016 or 2017. Yeah, she she had she had uh, four different pieces of material. And look, I've never watched any of these before. I don't care. They're either shows or movies, and she was using that as her reasoning as to why. Netflix is losing subscribers. And again, I mentioned, Dear White People, that was from 2017. So apparently, people are unsubscribing to Netflix in April 2022 because of something that came out in 2017. This is how you know people are trying to push agenda too far to a point where it's, look, it's just not even... Uh, uh, a fact. I mean, it's really not. Listen, I'm going to say something right now. All these people talking about Netflix and they're too woke and they're going to fail because they're on the woke side. People said the exact same thing about the NFL. Well, guess what? The NFL went nowhere. In fact, I mentioned they just signed a $111 billion television deal. They also have been killing it in the ratings. Uh, last year, in 2021, the top 10 television broadcasts, Nine of them were NFL games. The only one that was not an NFL game was the inauguration day, the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. 
So nothing else beat the NFL when it came to ratings. And you know what? Even in 2017, when all this talk was coming out with the uh, anthem protests and all that, people were saying that the ratings did go down. But can anyone name me a broadcast on TV that beat the NFL in ratings? What, what had higher ratings than the NFL from 2017, which is when all this NFL outrage began, through now? Nothing. Charlie Kirk, who is a conservative podcaster, he's a conservative commentator, he has been all over this whole boycotting the NFL train. Well, guess what? He watched the Super Bowl because he was complaining about sexual anarchy during the Super Bowl halftime show. Yeah. Sexual anarchy. Even conservatives were like, dude, what the fuck are you talking about? Um, I know that because I posted this on Facebook and I saw, listen, you know, social media, Facebook, you can have your profile picture and you can have Trump on it or Biden or whatever it is, you, your, your preferred uh, political stance on there. E- even people who share the same political stance were like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? And weren't you boycotting the NFL? Like, clearly you're watching the, the Super Bowl, so... Obviously, no one was boycotting anything. Uh, Yeah, ratings went down a little bit. They're back up. So what? Ratings for everything are going down. Everyone's cutting the cord. People are all watching um, on streaming services. NFL Sunday Ticket, there's this big rumor that they're going to be going to Apple TV soon, which is a streaming service, and therefore you're not going to see higher ratings because streaming services, whatever you watch on Hulu Live TV or YouTube TV, whatever it is you watch on a streaming service, don't count towards Nielsen ratings. I'm sure they'll come up with a system in the future, but that's not happening right now. Uh, Anyway, my point is, all the people talking about Netflix, you know, they said the same thing about the NFL, uh, how they're going to fail and they're woke and all this stuff. For the record, I don't care about any of this woke bullshit. I'm just calling out all the people that are pretending to boycott, basically, because we know they're not going to do it. They're talking about businesses that are going to fail because they don't agree with the, with them politically, which is obviously not going to happen. Look at Nike, okay? People were outraged by Nike because they signed Colin Kaepernick, and their sales went up that same week. People were threatening to boycott. So we know this is not a thing. So why are people trying to make it a thing? Netflix is the number one subscribed streaming service. It's been number one. Netflix was the one that started all this. Okay. And by the way, someone, uh, I mentioned this uh, same thing on Facebook. Someone was saying, oh, we'll wait a year from now to see how this post ages. Okay. I will say it on the record right now. Uh, Mid-April, Netflix a year from now will still be the number one streaming service on the planet. Okay, look, I remember, uh, I don't even know what the show was, but I guess there was a documentary that was being produced by Obama and people lost their minds over that. Who cares if you don't like the guy that much? Just don't watch it. I'm not saying you have to be subscribed if you don't like it. Okay, fine. I'm subscribed. But if you're doing this based off political reasons, which it's not really a thing, it's just, you know, a few people trying to push an agenda. And by the way, can I say something like at some point, all these people who are boycotting because they don't agree with something politically, I guess you're going to have to be boycotting every single thing that exists on this planet because the number one streaming service is Netflix. Number two is Disney, which I guess has had its own woke battle recently. I don't know what number three is. I'm guessing Hulu, which is partly owned by Disney. I mean, are you going to boycott UFC fights because they're on ESPN, which is owned by Disney. I mean, what what, what are we doing here when we're saying we're boycotting things? Like, who is really going to boycott every single thing? No one's really boycotting things anymore. Or never really were to begin with. So, take a deep breath. Stop pretending like you're outraged by things that don't even impact you directly, even the least bit. And just slow down. And by the way, the whole Laura Ingram thing, her using the, uh, you know content from months ago or even years ago to push an agenda as to why people are unsubscribing to Netflix. Um, consider the source here, okay? This is the same woman who told LeBron James to shut up and dribble. And by the way, she's on the side where she complains about, you know, uh, silencing, but she had a segment called Shut Up and Dribble, which, okay, doesn't really uh, fit your agenda uh, in general, uh, you know, uh, 
your your whole body, which is, um, you know, hey, we're being silenced, your whole body of work. Uh, but then, you know, you come out with shut up and dribble. And by the way, she gave Drew Brees the comment of he's allowed an opinion. Yeah. Consider that source. All right. If you enjoyed this episode of Farce Cast, please subscribe. Share the links. Let your friends know about the podcast. There will be a way you guys can definitely support the podcast and others out there. I'm very excited to share that with you very soon. Anyone that can help do that, that would be awesome. Definitely looking forward to making that a part of the podcast. Looking forward to it. So I appreciate everyone that has been wanting to help out with that. Facebook.com slash Farzifusugian. That is a Facebook page. I will be doing a Facebook Live broadcast during the NFL draft, and that will be closer to when the Chiefs are picking. So right before, a couple picks before the Chiefs uh, go live, I'll uh, I'll be on uh, Facebook Live. So be on the lookout for that. Next week, Joe Valerio, uh, former Kansas City Chief and also host of the Believe in Chiefs podcast. He's coming on the podcast next week. I'm very excited to have him on. Zach Segna and Melody McAllister uh, my good friends are also going to be on. Uh, we're all going to talk to Joe, uh, have some fun talking about his education journey. He's an adjunct professor, so we'll talk about that. Talk about his time with the Chiefs a little bit. Talk about the draft and also talk about the Chiefs right now and what he thinks about everything going on. All of that and much more. So big thanks to all of you again for downloading and listening to this podcast. The Joe Valeria episode will be out next Tuesday, so be on the lookout for that. And live draft streams next week. All of that. Facebook.com slash Farzifasugian. Subscribe to the podcast. Share the links. Until then, I'll talk to you guys next week. Have a great weekend.